0: Hey, everyone, Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Mets reporter, Anthony DeComo. And, Anthony, uh, every week we do this podcast, and every week there's a new injury as far as the Mets go. It started with the position players, and now we've certainly moved into the rotation um, with the injuries. And the big deal this week, obviously, is the bone spurs, and and apparently it's, I don't know, it, it multiplies. Uh, Steven Matz with the bone spurs in his elbow, Noah Syndergaard now with the bone spurs in his elbow. Uh, as of now, both guys are going to try to pitch through it. Do you think in your mind this is something that these two guys can can play with and pitch with the rest of this season before surgery?
1: Yeah, you know, these two injuries keep getting grouped together, uh, Stephen Matz, and Noah Syndergaard, and that probably shouldn't be the case. Uh, Steven Mads has a pretty sizable one in the back of his elbow, and it's been causing him quite a bit of irritation when he's been pitching, when he's been on the mound. And uh, it is all but a guarantee that he is going to need to open up that elbow at some point surgically to remove it. Now, the Mets hope that he can make it through this season, that he can uh wait until November for them to go up there and and do uh, that arthroscopic surgery and take the bone spar out. Uh, but that's going to depend upon how Steven Matz feels. Uh, he's on some anti-inflammatories, which, which aim to sort of ease the tissue irritation around the spur, so that he won't be feeling as much pain. But it's all going to be a matter of pain management for him. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, while the injury is the same, his bone spur is much, much smaller, and he is not feeling nearly the degree of discomfort that Steven Matz is. So the proposition for Noah Syndergaard, Uh, to get through this season uh, without having it removed and um, without feeling too much discomfort. is much, much easier for him to stomach. Um, Really, there's a decent chance that he won't even need surgery at all, uh, at least not anytime soon to get it removed. Now, these things can grow over time. They don't always, and uh, certainly years down the road, uh, that might happen in Noah Syndergaard's case, and he might need to get his elbow opened up. Um, But I I think on the surface, while these two injuries are, are pretty similar, uh, what they portend for the Mets is, is quite different in that Stephen Matt is going to have a lot more trouble pitching through this than Noah Syndergaard
0: will. Now, Noah Syndergaard didn't look like he was at his best on Monday. Is there any connection between the bone spur and his struggle, or is it just, hey, he had a rough start after a run of dominance?
1: Well, talking to some people around the Mets, I mean, it sounds like uh, the only connection was that Noah Syndergaard you know, might have been overthrowing a little bit, overcompensating uh just because he wanted to prove that he was healthy uh we've seen that before from Noah Syndergaard. when uh we certainly we have seen it from matt harvey when things have swirled around these guys they just go out and and you know let it loose in the hopes of uh kind of shutting everybody up um for lack of a better phrase and i think there was a little bit of that with Noah Syndergaard the other night uh he was throw, throwing one-on-one uh and the velocity was all there and then some but the command left a lot to be desired um So I think Noah Soonergaard realizes that he needs to maybe dial it back a little bit and learn to pitch at something less than 100% so that we're not looking at those situations in the future. Um, There's also a little mental aspect, I think, with anyone who knows there's something going on inside their arms, inside their elbows, uh, to get past that mentally and just say, hey, you know what, Uh, the doctors told me I couldn't do any more damage, so I'm going to let it loose and let it fly and let it rip. Um, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue for Noah Syndergaard going forward, but certainly there might have been some of that the other night when the Nationals beat him up pretty good.
0: Before those two uh, bone spur situations came about, the big news of the week, obviously, was going back to the weekend. Uh, Anthony and, and Jose Reyes officially becoming a part of the Mets again uh, as he heads to the minor leagues. He started off in Brooklyn on Sunday and Monday as the Mets try to do something to help out this lineup and help out this infield. Uh, At this point, what's the timetable for Reyes? And and from my standpoint, we thought maybe there would be a little backlash. I haven't really seen that.
1: No. uh, You know, I'll answer the second part first. Um, There hasn't been a ton. And I think when they were in the process of signing him, because it became such an inevitability before it actually happened, uh, uh, those who were very opposed to it um, sort of got, Out what they had to say at that time. And since then, uh, Jose Reyes has pretty much been embraced, certainly by the people in Brooklyn who saw his debut. And, um, you know, now he's playing a road game in Altoona. And I think there's going to be more of it. Certainly he's going to have to answer those questions again once he gets to New York. Um, You know, once he goes to other stadiums around the league, I think people uh, might have a little more say publicly against him. I think Jose realizes that, and I think he actually said it best. Um, before his first game in Brooklyn, when he said, Look, I, I made a mistake. I own up to it. I apologize uh, to the Mets and to everyone before I, I signed here. And um, what I found really interesting that he said was he said, I think I realize that there's going to be a portion of the population that will never ever forgive me. And I totally get that. And I totally respect their right to do so. But I feel that I deserve a second chance. So uh, I think he's saying all the right things. Um, and, and that's not going to be a huge issue going forward, despite the fact that obviously um, you know, it's something that's going to follow Jose Reyes around for the rest of his life. Um, To answer the first part of your question, uh, there is no timeline right now, and and Jose Reyes has been pretty open uh, lines of communication with the people up here in New York, saying, look, I want to be ready when I come. I don't want to just come because you guys are struggling on offense. I don't want to just come because I want to be in the big leagues. I want to make sure that When I get there, I'm ready to contribute and be, you know, what we all know that Jose Reyes can be. So uh, first three minor league games haven't gone great, he's 0 for 9 at the plate. Uh, He committed a fielding error um, on a pretty easy play, from what I understand, talking to people who who saw it happen. Um, So it could be a little bit. Uh, He's going to be with Binghamton for the duration now. He's going to play a lot of third base, and uh, they've got a pretty sizable homestand coming up after two games. In Altoona, in Western Pennsylvania, and I think he might spend most, if not all, of that homestand in Double A, getting prepared so that maybe another week down the line here we're looking at a, a debut with the Mets in New York.
0: We knew there was going to be other moves as far as this Mets lineup goes. And Michael Conforto has been sent down to the minors. Um, and I, I know some people said maybe, maybe they'd wasted to- or took too long to do this i think sandy alderson said that maybe they did him a disservice by waiting so long but nonetheless brandon nimmo is up uh three games under his belt he's gotten his first career hit out of the way three hits now with the mets um what have you seen from brandon nimmo so far what do you what do you like about this kid that was once a first round pick
1: Well, he totally transformed uh his, his body and really his approach too. Um, You know, when the Mets first drafted him, I think uh, it's a long time ago now, It's five years ago now, and people kind of forget that this was a guy who was uh, very immature physically and also very, very untested against high-level competition, Uh, even for a high schooler. um, You know, we've read and written all the stories about how there is no high school ball in Wyoming where he's from. He's only the 16th. Wyoming-born player ever to make the majors, and so he was forced to play Legion ball and travel far to go to tournaments uh, just for these tastes of higher-level competition, and really it wasn't until he got into the Mets minor league system that he saw it on a consistent basis and struggled, and struggled a lot, and uh, over the years has worked very hard to put on strength, to bulk up, and also to um, become a little more aggressive at the plate. That's something that recently has transformed his game because he's always been a great on base guy, he's had a good uh, uh, gauge of the strike zone, which is something that the Mets value in all of their players, all of these guys that they draft and develop through their system. But, but recently, he's begun owning it a little more. Uh, it's something that we saw from Lucas Duda, for example, when he really broke out at the big league level, was uh, some of that passiveness at the plate goes away, and you start uh, realizing something clicks and you start realizing you're not taking pitches just to take pitches, you're taking pitches to swing at the one that's good. And if that's the first one you see, then that's the one you do damage on it. And Brandon Nimmo's gotten a lot better at that. Uh, you know, here in the big leagues, we'll see. It's far too soon to uh, tell how he's going to adapt, how he's going to adjust. But he's pretty much proven what he needs to prove at Triple A. So he's going to get a pretty good run here with Conforto back in the minors to uh, show that he belongs. And uh, so far the early returns for Brandon Nimmo have been pretty good.
0: I've always thought that no high school baseball thing, a bit overblown. I actually worked out in South Dakota, same region of the country, obviously as Wyoming and covered the Legion baseball of that, that area. And those guys uh, start their Legion season in March. They basically have spring training. They play 70, 80 games over the course of the summer. So I always thought that was a little overblown. Mark Ellis is from the South Dakota area. He went through that same thing and had a good big league career, but certainly interesting. And it's fun to see those guys make it through. One more thing I wanted to touch on with you, Anthony, is uh, obviously the All Star game's coming up soon, but on Tuesday the rosters for the futures game was announced and a couple of Mets uh, will be headed to San Diego for that. One that's interesting is Dilson Herrera just because he spent a good amount of time in the majors. So I was a little surprised to see a guy like that at the triple A level be in the futures game. But Dom Smith also going, obviously the first base prospect, a power prospect playing at double A right now uh, it's going to be fun to see those guys on the big show under the, under the well, not under the lights in San Diego, but in the big stadium uh, showing what they can do. Are you excited to see those guys compete?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's funny about Dilson Herrera. He's actually spent enough time in the majors at this point that he's lost his rookie eligibility and thus his prospect status. So he's not technically either, despite the fact that he hasn't appeared in the majors this year. Um, but he is still a huge, huge part of the Mets' future, and uh, really, I think, uh, a guy that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit for the Mets, because uh, Dilson Herrera is a pretty good player, and uh, he's shown a lot of signs that his bat can play in the big leagues, and uh, I think he's going to get some serious run soon. He could easily be the starting second baseman going into next season, so it will be interesting to get a glimpse of him. Uh, Dom Smith is another sort of interesting pick a guy who hasn't had that moment hasn't had that year in the minor league since the Mets drafted him in the first round that you're like wow this guy is a premium prospect but we're still sort of judging this guy on potential um we're waiting for that big year where the power breaks out uh certainly Don Smith has added some weight uh some scouts are are skeptical that he um added the right way and what I mean by that is uh that he's bulked up not necessarily muscle but a little bit of fat in there and um (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, well, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. He's still very young, and, um, you know, a lot of potential in that bat. The Mets see him as a first baseman of the future, but to be that, he's going to have to hit a lot. So, I'm excited to see Dom Smith out there. Certainly haven't gotten, uh, nearly as much exposure to him as they have to Dilson Herrera. Um, but the, the Mets are, you know, the Mets' farm system as a whole is a lot thinner. Than it used to be. They've promoted most of the interesting prospects at this point, but there are still some good ones. Uh, you know, Nimmo coming up. Certainly, Don Smith is one. Certainly, Dilson Herbera is one. And uh, Ahmed Rosario, Gavin Shakini. There are some interesting names left, uh, really at the high levels of the minors now, and uh, it'll be interesting to see a couple of them play out there in San Diego.
0: Yeah, Herrera's had a busy year so far. He played in the World Baseball Classic qualifier, I know, back in March during spring training, and now off to the Futures game. It'll be good stuff. Great podcast, as always. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Mets edition for Anthony DeComo.